electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Into the Cryptoverse. Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain, why everyone from Wall Street to Capitol Hill and every barbecue in between is talking about crypto. The pie, if you will, around crypto is going to continue, it looks like, to grow. Uh, Unless, of course, there is some kind of, uh, you know, what they call crypto winter where things, you know, turn turn remarkably negative. I chat with Andrew Ross Sorkin only on this podcast, plus the exchange that hosts most of crypto's trades, Coinbase CFO Alicia Haas. Crypto is still new. We're seeing new blockchains come out. Hang on, the token's wild ride and what it means for everyone's money. Volatility helped deliver a very strong Q2, but our product roadmap, adding new assets, we believe is going to really help us diversify over the long time and tamp out some of that volatility on our platform and regulation. How can Washington police it if they can't decide what it is? Most crypto today, we believe, is not a security. And we believe that we need to work with the SEC, educate them, and find the right regulatory framework that we can offer access to these products in a way that is safe for investors. It's Thursday, August 12th, 2021. Squawk Pod's crypto trip begins right after this. We could try to explain what it's like to get your work done on a John Deere mower, compact tractor, or Gator XUV. But to really understand the feeling, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. And crypto, everybody's talking about it. You might be hearing about it at an outdoor restaurant. Maybe your cousin wants to get into Bitcoin. Wall Street, definitely closely following the first earnings report from Coinbase. That's the largest publicly traded platform for buying and selling crypto. Coinbase's numbers are just crossing. Kate Rooney's got them for us. Kate. Hey, well, Coinbase with a strong beat on revenue in the second quarter. Revenue topped $2 billion for the quarter, coming in at $2.2 billion. And they're certainly talking about crypto on Capitol Hill. Senator from Delaware. Mr. President, I ask unanimous consent that notwithstanding your option of substitute amendment number 2137, the Toomey Amendment 2656, be considered and agreed to. Is there objection? Mr. President. Senator from Alabama. The bipartisan infrastructure bill that just passed the U.S. Senate this week was held up a few days over policy around crypto, an amendment that would limit a proposal to increase federal regulation of cryptocurrencies was blocked Monday afternoon. Does the senator from Delaware so amend? I do not. Is there objection to the original request by the senator from Delaware? 
Bob Jack. Here's Senator Pat Toomey. A year from now, there will be all kinds of new innovations that we haven't thought of that probably nobody's thought of. And we may very well have to go back and revisit the rules. But crypto and the industry developing the new financial technology was part of the debate. They had a seat at the table. Crypto is everywhere. I caught up with Andrew Ross Sorkin. This meeting is being recorded. Over Zoom. Why are so many people so worked up about crypto these days? Because I think we could be at a moment, an inflection point, in which enough people in the country, especially younger millennials and others, own some form of crypto. We're now into serious double digits, uh, depending on what survey or poll you read, 20, 30, maybe more percent of the country somehow is touching a cryptocurrency, whether it be Bitcoin, whether it be Ethereum, or some other kind of token. And so we're now at this moment where both companies are building entire franchises around crypto and policymakers in Washington are really starting to take this seriously and say to themselves, "Mm, what do we have to do about this? Coinbase, we talked to the CFO, Alicia Haas. Tell me about what that company does. It's the largest cryptocurrency exchange. It went public last quarter, reported quarterly results for the first time earlier this week, and really blew everybody's expectations away. So this has been a company on a rocket ship, um, propelled in large part by the unique interest in cryptocurrencies. But what makes Coinbase so unique is its size and scale. It is an exchange that's working for the consumer portion of the market, the retail audience, but they also have an institutional business. So they service companies, including now Tesla and SpaceX and Elon Musk personally and hedge funds like Dan Loeb's Third Point. And so there's a lot of interest around Coinbase and what it represents in terms of the future of cryptocurrency um, from a some people think of it as the new New York Stock Exchange. Even like a regional bank like PNC Bank is one of the boldface clients of Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Does this signal that crypto investing is just totally mainstream now? Oh, it's clear that crypto is mainstream. I think there's a real question, though, as to what is its future? What does that mm-hmm. look like? Is it huge? Is it uh, a Is it just a side part of the market? Um, Is it like gold and silver, like a commodities market? What what is it exactly and how far does it really go? But clearly, there's a huge part of the country and the world that is investing in this and believes it has a huge future, that it is the future of money. Do you see Coinbase, are they set up for success in this sort of future of finance and commerce? Is, is this the, the new New York Stock Exchange and it will be around for as long as the current New York Stock Exchange? Well, so the question is, is it the new New York Stock Exchange or is it the equivalent of another brokerage? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the fundamental question right now. Look, the pie, if you will, around crypto is going to continue, it looks like, to grow. Uh, and, unless, of course, there is some kind of, uh, you know, what they call crypto winter where things you know, turn, turn remarkably negative. But you, you'd think, given all the investment in the space, that there's going to be more and more interest in crypto over time, at least in the immediate future. 
And Coinbase seems uh, positioned very well, if not best positioned, to take advantage of it. Long term, it may very well be that being an exchange for crypto uh, is a commodity business. You know, um, you know, there was a time where Ameritrade and TD were two different firms. They're now it's now TD Ameritrade. Uh, Fidelity does uh, similar things. Robinhood is, by the way, uh, made a huge part of their business right. around crypto. And so, you know, at the moment, there seems to be a lot of room for competitors to be very successful. But over time, does that erode profits? Does it erode margins? Is there consolidation? What what happens? It may, may very well be that Coinbase is the winner, um, but time will tell. Andrew and CNBC's Melissa Lee spoke to Coinbase's CFO about the company's profit despite volatility in the crypto markets. Here's that conversation. Alicia Haas, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me this morning. You had a, uh, a, a pretty tremendous quarter um, uh, driven a, a bit by, I think, the volatility in trading. And, and I wanted to speak to you directly about uh, what that means in the last quarter and how you're starting to think about the next quarter given what it looks like is the importance of that volatility. Absolutely. So we've shared with the world before that crypto is inherently unpredictable right now. We are in the early, early days of a new industry, a new economy, and we do see volatility. Volatility is underpinning a lot of our transaction fee revenue as when prices go up, when prices go down, when moving around, we do have cohorts of investors who really enjoy trading through those windows. But what we're starting to see is utility in crypto. We're seeing people engage in staking, we're seeing people engage in earn and other transaction types. And this is also growing at a more rapid pace now than our transaction fee, although only 5% of our revenue. So yes, volatility helped deliver a very strong Q2, but our product roadmap, adding new assets, we believe is gonna really help us diversify over the long time and tamp out some of that volatility on our platform. You just mentioned the idea of tokens that have utility. One of those tokens is Ethereum. Uh, and uh, maybe you can speak to the significance of the idea that Ethereum now, uh, there is more Ethereum trading going on than Bitcoin trading. Right. First quarter for us where Ethereum surpassed Bitcoin trading. And that was really grown this quarter by the growth of NFTs, which we've all talked about. Also, we saw ETH2 staking and the network is transitioning now to a proof of stake from a proof of work network. And that grew a lot of investor interest and a lot of interest in opportunities to earn rewards on the ETH2 blockchain. How do you think about your business relative to a Robinhood or relative to so many others? Uh, we were talking uh, to uh, Kevin O'Leary earlier and we were talking about the idea that potentially in the future, these, this business could become commoditized. What do you say to that? I think that we've seen commoditization across all financial services for decades, but crypto is not yet there. Crypto is still new. We're seeing new blockchains come out. You have to integrate with those blockchains. We talk about them as they're, they're living and breathing organisms. They fork, they have different governance protocols. And when you have to integrate with those new blockchains, and we don't know exactly which blockchains will be used for which transactions over time, that it's hard to think of those as commoditized because you need to have the technical strength to provide security on those blockchains. And so I agree. I agree over the long term, we're going to see commoditization and we're going to see fees come down as a result of that commoditization. But I just don't think we're quite there yet. 
And today, when Coinbase is trying to position ourselves in the market, we're positioning on ourselves as not competing on price. We are looking to provide access to the crypto economy. We're providing access to more and more tokens every single quarter. In this quarter, we added 22 tokens, more than we added in full year 2020. And we're also then adding new products around staking. We're trying to move into the NFT space, move into DeFi, as Brian shared in a blog post in June. And we think that as we continue to offer our clients the ability to transact in new and novel ways in crypto, that that will be what attracts them to our platform. Uh, you just mentioned clients. Uh, there are a number of high-profile clients that are on your list now. Elon Musk, SpaceX, Tesla, Dan Loeb's Third Point. Can you tell us a little bit about what kinds of business you're doing for them beyond uh, what what the individual investor may be doing on your platform? So you named a lot of our institutional clients that we mentioned that we are partnering with in our most recent shareholder letter. On the institutional side, the clients are choosing us, and I can't speak about any specific client, but I want to talk in general. What they usually come to us for is starting with custody. They really appreciate our history of investing in security, that we have not had a loss due to cyber attack on our platform since our inception. And from there, it moves into trading, it moves into data services, it moves into the borrow lend products that we're building on our platform and the full suite of the prime brokerage products under the beta initiative that we launched this quarter. So we're really building deep roots with a lot of our institutional clients across their investing needs in the crypto economy. Alicia, if we were to have this conversation in, I don't know, two years from now, how much of the business do you think will be institutional versus a consumer-driven business? We debate this all the time. So we believe that we are building a platform for all of our customers. So our retail customers, our institutions, increasingly businesses as they're looking to accept crypto as payments. The way that we look at it is where the money is in the world. And so I think that more and more money is getting allocated to crypto. And it, as you know, a lot of that money sits in institutional hands, whether that is in pensions or asset managers. And we think that increasingly, as we shared, now we have 10% of the top 10 hedge funds by AUM on our platform. We think crypto will get a larger allocation over time. And so I think we'll shift into more institutional money as we go forward. Alicia, I have a question about Circle's uh, stablecoin, the U.S. dollar coin. It appears that Coinbase has dropped um, a description of that dollar coin that it was backed by one U.S. dollar. Last month, Circle disclosed that it was actually backed by a combination of a fiat currency as well as short-term securities, etc. When you put that claim about it being backed by one U.S. dollar on the website, did you actually verify that yourself? Do you, do you just take the word um, from from the the from Circle. Thank you for that question. Center, the consortium that oversees USDC, has an investment policy that governs how USDC can be invested, and then Circle complies with that. You can always redeem your USDC for one US dollar, and so the spirit of, of the disclosure was that you can always get a dollar back for the USDC that you hold. That's a spirit. But in, in case of some sort of, uh, if everybody wanted to redeem their U.S. dollar coin for one U.S. dollar at the same time, the liquidity might not be there to provide, to provide that. Fortunately, there are excess reserves that are posted to ensure that if there was a run on USDC and every single person wanted to get their dollar back at the same time, that center provides assurance that we would have the right reserves then held in addition to the investments that that would be able to be fulfilled for our customers. 
Can you can you explain that just a, a, a little? Can you explain that a little more? And, and the reason I think about it is I think of like a money market fund. A lot of people think in a money market fund that you'll get your dollar back. But the truth is you might not really get your dollar back. You might get, you know, 98 cents on the dollar. H- how would it actually, in fact, work such that if there was a run on these assets, if you will, that everybody would be made whole? Sure. So. USDC is about $27 billion in circulation today. The vast, vast majority of that $27 billion is held in bank accounts, U.S. treasuries, very short-term, very liquid assets. It's a small percentage that is held in anything other than those two investments. And so first you have to believe that all $27 billion is being redeemed simultaneously, which if you run stress tests, if you run liquidity tests under current permissible investments, that is really a black swan event. And so even even in that black swan event, the articulation that we've had at the center board level to ensure that we can provide our the users of USDC that protection is that when we run those stress tests and for that potential market risk that you're sharing at the tail end of that investment portfolio, that there are extra reserves that could be put in place and drawn from the issuers of USDC, in this case, Circle, to ensure that right that gap, if there was a gap, that that would be made whole. Because principal just, protection just is the it, number one most important thing that we care about in providing the reserves behind USDC. But just to put a fine point on, on, on the question Melissa was asking at the top, um, and, and I, I gather that you're saying that, that, that Circle met all of the, uh, the standards, if you will, the language has since yeah. changed. So there clearly had to be a little bit of a rethinking about the accuracy of the the at least initial language. Did that language come from Circle or was that a mistake on Coinbase's part? Then we wanted to clarify the language to be more precise given the focus that this topic has had in the press over the last few weeks. And, and but 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 just so we all understand, because I assume there will be finger pointing at some point and, and uh, there are regulators, of course, that are, are looking specifically in the world of crypto. Was this something that you take on yourself and say, our mistake, our bad, we're, we fixed it? Or is it something that you you think um, was a function of, of Circle providing you with, uh, it, with, with maybe not complete information? And I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to be generous here. I appreciate the generosity. I don't think I have the information to specifically point fingers at anyone today. I think we're still learning about how to make this a best process and make sure that we provide the right disclosures to our clients. Um, and finally, before you go, uh, last week we spoke with uh, SEC Chair uh, Gary Gensler about crypto assets. And I just want to play you something that he said and try to get your reaction. Here's the tape. And if people want to take risk, that's all right. But what we want to do is provide them some of the basic protections against fraud and manipulation. The trading platforms they're on are not currently under a, a, a regulatory regime that protects them like they're trading on the New York Stock Exchange. It just isn't. And I think those are gaps. And I think that's not good for investors. And I don't think it's good for the technology. What do you think? You agree with him? We share a lot of those views around investor protection. We share the views around protecting from market manipulation. And so I think that we can find a lot of common ground to align on. We are not regulated as an NMS exchange. Most crypto today, we believe, is not a security. And we believe that we need to work with the SEC, educate them and find the right regulatory framework that we can offer access to these products in a way that is safe for investors. But I don't think it is easy to just say everything's a security. Let's now make these 
an exchange that is regulated by the SEC. Okay, uh, we're going to leave the conversation there, Alicia, but I hope we get to have an opportunity to do this again very soon. Congratulations on a great quarter Thank and uh, we look forward to following your progress. Squawk Pod is back after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thanks to Melissa Lee for sitting in a few days this week. She and Andrew, they know. I know. I know you know. We know. We know. We know. You can also hear them on yesterday's pod with noted short seller Jim Chanos. That will be right next to this one on the Squawk Pod feed wherever you listen. What's that? Your feed? To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show, right into your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod, and you'll get us every day in your feed. So we will meet you back here tomorrow. Have a good day. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.